good morning and welcome along to the gardening program here on Midwest Radio. Porrick. Good, good morning, morning. Teardra. Good morning. Things, things are good. Things are good. Yeah. A little bit damp out there. But another bit. storm. Yeah. The storm, Brian. Yeah, I wonder. Is I wonder is it going to be as, as horrendous as the yeah, last one? Yeah, yeah. I hope. I don't think so, Brian. No, I don't think even so. the name Brian to me um, softer than Ophelia. I always think. Well, yeah, Ophelia was. I was. Thinking, I did Hamlet for the Living Cert many moons oh. ago, so uh, she sticks out in my mind for obviously that reason as well. But Brian, I always think of the snail in the magic roundabout <laughs> was called Brian, as far as I remember. Well, so it's, it's always a softer sort of yeah. a thing. So hopefully, Brian lives up I to that. It, I don't think. It's it's going to be anything too damaging anyway. But but interesting enough, people should, just after the, that very windy weather, just take on... I was in a couple of gardens on Tuesday and mm. Wednesday and, you know, looking around, trees are moving about quite a bit, so ties are becoming loose on trees and you can get that chaffing where the stem rubs off the stem of, of the... or the stake that's holding it. The two, if they come into contact, the bark is going to get damaged. And remember that the the cells that carry the water, the xylem and the phloem, are, are carried just inside the bark. So if we damage those, it's like cutting the arteries on your hand. Right. The moisture can't travel up or nutrients can't travel up to the topper uh, section of the tree. So do check trees at this time of year as we come into winter. Make sure they're well tied. And the ties should be knotted in a way that they're keeping the main stem of the tree away from the stake I suppose that's the point I'm making, keep an eye for that um, so any bit of wind rock if if plants are loose in the ground firm them up, newly planted plants in particular, um, newly planted hedges should, will benefit from a trimming back now to reduce the overall bulk and weight um, and reduce the leaf, the amount of leaf uh, on the plants because it's going to um, stop it catching wind. So newly planted plants should be checked certainly. The soil is very wet at the moment so with the combination of wind naturally enough trees tend to get rocked a bit and mm. you get that, um, particularly around the stem, it can open up a little bit of moisture can get in there and cause some problems. So newly planted plants certainly check them. Trees in general, even if they're a couple of years old, check the ties on them that, that they're not biting into trees or that they haven't become loose or the trees aren't shafting off the stakes and that, that are supporting them. You know, in general, keep off the garden, keep out of the garden at the moment. It's too wet. I know you got round to mowing your grass I this did. week, <laughs> which is amazing. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, I, I, well, it's just on uh, Tuesday evening, though. It was uh, Tuesday, a beautiful day. I mean, the, uh, the, literally the calm after the storm. The storm yeah. So Tuesday was a gorgeous day. Yeah. And I just happened to, after work, come home and I said, well, do you know what now? Go just out go out and get that done. And yeah. Because I felt I might be looking at it for a very long could time. Could uh, you? Yeah. I, I, I had a suspicion that it mightn't get cut again or the opportunity mightn't arise. Although then, of course, the rain we've had a lot of water Huge over the last of couple of days and yeah. you can really it is just sitting on yeah. top of the grass at the moment so to stay off it as much as possible mm. in terms of mowing in terms of walking across in terms of planting at the moment the con- ground conditions are just too wet at the moment so now that's not to say in a, in a week or two's time with a bit of frosty weather and dry weather things will start to improve again because we are in the main or coming into the main planting season as we come into autumn and early mm. winter uh, but at the moment certainly I would stay away so if people are tempted to put in hedges or trees you're better off waiting for to uh, dry some up dry some weather sort of, some yeah. frosty crisp dry weather is really what we'd be looking for. Now that's not to say you can't be planting up some containers or sowing some seed or taking cuttings and and those sort of general jobs. And just thinking about that and thinking about 
believe it or not, thinking about, I suppose, the festive season and Christmas coming up and people doing a lot of cooking over the autumn and winter and Christmas period. Yes. A nice thing to do at this time of year, and particularly with the mild growth we've had, garden herbs in general, things like rosemary, thyme, um, fennel, all the popular herbs have been growing quite well. And there's a lot, quite a lot of young growth on those plants at the moment. So this time of year, the end of October, is an excellent time to go out and trim those fresh herbs. And a day like today would be ideal to go out, trim them back, take the young growth off the plants, six or eight inches, use that, wash it off, wash it clean, and then cut it up into small pieces and freeze it. Okay. And many of the garden herbs will freeze on the stem, if you wish, just by putting them into freezer bags, washing them clean, chop them up if you wish, or leave them on the stem, stick them into a freezer bag and dump them in the freezer. Or you can cut them up and put them into ice cubes, Right, would you put them into a little bit, bit of water? Water, the, yeah. yeah. So with the ice cubes, you, again, you just cut the fresh, the fresh herbs, wash them, cut them up in small pieces. So rosemary, just chop it up, put it into ice cube freezers, put a bit of water in, freeze them, and then knock them out of the freezer trays, put them into plastic bags, chuck them into the, yeah. into the freezer, and they're there then. And because you're freezing them fresh, they will be as fresh as the day will you they? throw. Yeah, absolutely. Gosh, I've actually never uh, frozen herbs like that. And, yeah. and, and like everyone, there's a pot and then, you know, it starts to get a bit leggy and wilts and you, it goes by the wayside. So, yeah, we must try that now. Because if you, if you don't do it now, all that young growth is going to be wasted. Yeah. As we get into the colder weather and the frosty weather and the wetter weather, the, the, the young growth on fennel and rosemary will just start to harden and it'll start to actually go off. Um, so it's a great time of year uh, before we dip into the depths of winter to trim back all your so oregano, chives, uh, coriander, fennel, all of those rosemary, or popular, all the pop, parsley, yeah. all of those. If you trim them now, chop them up, freeze them. You can also freeze them in butter. So if you get some butter and mix them in through the butter, some chives in through the butter, and then freeze that as well, okay. put them into little dishes, so, or again, yeah, put them into so it's kind of her butter fun. that's frozen. Her butter, exactly. And when we think, and I, the, I am always uh, this uh, particular candidate, kind of the twenty third or the twenty fourth of December, and there's a bit of a, you know, we all obviously buy quite a bit at Christmas time, um, and sometimes it can be difficult to get your herbs, and Absolutely. you might leave it a bit late, and then you're stuck. So if you can be organised and, and have them in the freezer already, yeah. it's just a matter of well, opening it up. the herbs are there at the moment, mm. and certainly with the, with the growth we've had in the last three or four weeks, if you nip out now and trim them back, wash them, freeze them, and that you can have them, you can use them right through the generally the last for two to four months is generally the period that, that, that you'll have them for. Um, so they're well worth harvesting now rather than wasting them freeze them and then use them over the festive season and with the ice cubes you see you can just literally take them and just drop them into whatever into whatever whatever it is yeah Yeah. or if you're making a butter literally yeah Yeah. Yeah. so there's a tip there's something that can be done outdoors the other thing that you remember at this time of year the sowing of sweet peas October is the time to sow sweet peas and that can be done inside remember we had the listener on from London that said they tried it out Mm. last year in October sowed the seeds in October grew them on the windowsill or in the greenhouse over the winter period and they the sweet peas will come into flower earlier and the flowers will be larger. Right. So it's well worth sowing the seeds of sweet pea at this time of year. And again, the indoor temperatures we're getting at the moment are, is perfect for that, a warm windowsill. Broad beans can also be sown. If you're fond of broad beans, they're the really large beans. Um, again, they're winter hardy. and The seeds of those can be sown now directly out of doors into the garden soil. So now it's a bit wet today, certainly. But over the next mm. couple of weeks, if you get a bit of dry weather, the frost won't affect them. They can be sown directly into the garden soil. All or, or alternatively, you can sow them in trays or pots 
uh, germinate them indoors and then plant them out of doors maybe in November. And they will actually grow through the winter period, come into flower in late spring, early summer and give you a crop around the end of June, early July. Right, so, 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 you, okay, so, so you have them it. at least a month or six weeks earlier than sowing them in the spring. So broad beans can be certainly sown. Sweet peas in particular, if you like sweet peas for the colour and scent, or if you've got a you know a wedding coming up in June and July and you want something to cut and use in vases or, or in the church, sweet peas are great for that. And remember the herbs that if you trim them now, freeze them, you will be able to use them right through the winter period. Brilliant. Okay. So and check the trees and check the garden in general. Yeah, just I, I, for I suppose if, if just if there is a bit of damage like that, because I know some areas got hit fairly badly yeah, on Monday, yeah. and other areas maybe kind of escaped mo- uh, some of the really bad uh, gusts. But there are probably quite a few uh, trees and plants with bits of branches where there's damage. Yeah. Now they might be question, fully yeah. off, but yeah. they might be off in parts. Some of them could be big trees. Some of them might be Absolutely. small trees. So what's the best way? Well, of the thing is, that is to go out and trim anything. Yeah. that's damaged that's broken that's, that's physically damaged that should be removed if it's generally over four inches in diameter it needs to be sealed so you can get a little compound called prune and seal so after cutting a nice clean cut you put on the prune and seal and that seals the wound particularly for trees like cherries that can suffer from a disease called silver leaf that gets in on cut stems so anything over four, four inches absolutely seal it up anything under that will heal itself um, and you're dead right go out and actually trim trim the stems yeah. back, tidy them up, don't leave anything hanging. And um, and if there's any plants that you're particularly worried about, you know, a little bit of pruning back can be done at this time of year in general if you want to, you know, take the kind of height or the weight out of, out of plants. The other thing I always mention at this time of year as well, and I, it just it reminds me in stormy weather, is ivy on, on trees, particularly mm. at, at road, roadways. Because most trees in windy weather, a lot of the leaf gets blown off. So deciduous trees are designed to lose their leaves. But evergreen ivy is designed to hold on to its leaves and it acts like a sail. First of all, it adds weight to trees. So it's adding a serious amount of weight to the actual physical tree. But it acts a, as a, a sail as well and it catches the wind. And that's why we get so many branches and so many trees down along road verges in particular. Now, ivy is a great habitat, of course, for wildlife and for bees and for birds. And I'm a great advocate of having and growing ivy. But along roadways, and particularly on trees, um, I've even seen um, the telegraph poles absolutely covered in ivy. And they're just adding so much weight to the actual stems of the plants or, or the the, uh, the poles. And naturally enough, they're caught in windy weather and blown over. So I would advise people if they have trees overhanging roadways and there's ivy on them, this is a good time of year to cut the ivy. And all you need to do is to cut it at ground level. You don't need to go up into the tree. The, the toppermost part of the ivy will die once you cut it. So with a small axe or a small saw, if you cut maybe six to eight inches, maybe a foot of the stem of ivy all the way around, because the ivy grows from the base, there are aerial roots it uses to cling on to the tree. Yeah. But once you clean and cut back the branches or the, 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 the stems of the ivy all around the base of the tree, the uppermost part will die. Now that can reshoot in the spring at ground level, but you can treat it with something like SPK in the spring to kill back the ivy. So I would advocate particularly trees that are in a dangerous area overhanging particular roadways. Um, you know, ivy, that's the that's- reason we have so many trees down across the country in the southern part ivy plays a big part in that okay um, right. you know so so you could have a healthy tree with ivy growing it that, that the ivy is going to pull it down in stormy weather 
because the ivy won't give up. <laughs> the leaves it, will it, stay it, on it. It'll just catch the wind. Yeah, and, and, and particularly if it's near buildings or buildings. Maybe, you know, yeah, anywhere you know, like that. Or if you parked your car near that tree or that, that kind of thing, of thing, you know, you to know. be really aware, aware of that. Of yeah. that. Okay. yeah, and and so many of the accidents this year were caused by trees. trees. People yeah. running into trees or, or trees falling or yeah. whatever. So ivy certainly is a contributory factor to that. Okay, because that's great, great advice on that. So, uh, and and this is a good time of year if you want to just remove ivy. And it's a simple matter of literally just cutting the stem. Right. So no ladders right or anything Absolutely like that required. Not, it's, not necessary. Yeah, it's not necessary. A lot of us would think that, oh my goodness, no, you don't have to go that's up. an awful job to yeah, have to be It's not actually, yeah, just okay. cut it at the base. Now, one person was rushing out the door park to work. I don't know if they're still okay. in the car, so we'll go to them Shoot. first, and it's yeah. a geranium question. Oh, good old in geraniums. pots uh, that cannot be moved, how can I store them over the winter? They cannot be moved. Well, you, you can physically lift the geranium out of the container at this time of year, okay. if you wish, and repot into a small pot, take off the flowers, tidy it back, cut it back, and grow it on a cool windowsill. It needs to be in a frost-free location, so generally glasses and tunnels are just too cold and too damp for them so some are indoors in a spare room ideally bathroom situation so cold dry relatively dry keep the plant relatively dry and in a bright location the other thing you can do with geraniums of course this time of year is take cuttings it's a great time of year simply with geraniums they're just slightly different in that you allow the cutting to dry slightly before inserting it into the compost so um, take the cutting say today leave them to just dry in a windowsill overnight mm-hmm. strip off the leaves take off the flowers and then tomorrow morning put them into uh, a gritty compost cover them with a polythene bag and they'll root in three or four weeks time it's a great way rather than trying to keep the mother plant as it were which can be quite big it's a good idea just to take cuttings from them now I have a row of beautiful cone-shaped samarals along my driveway okay. but recently I noticed some brown patches on the edges. Do I need to worry? There's quite a few questions I noticed over the last couple of weeks about those kind of samarals. And yeah, so that's Thuya samarals mm. and we know because, and you know the plant because when you crush the leaf it smells of pineapple. It's got a very distinctive shape in, in it has that beautiful conical shape without any trimming. So they're a very popular a tree to plant in the garden. Um, what the listeners is describing is Thuya blight, which is a blight or a fungal disease that comes on the outer edges of Thuyas. So it's a brown staining on, on the um, the leaves. And like any disease, it can um, reoccur year after year and it can become more progressive. So to arrest it, you put on a treatment called Fungus Clear and it'll actually state on the box that it treats uh, Thuya blight. So Fungus Clear apply it on a dry day you can apply it at this time of year and it's really down to our very wet when we get wet summers we get this thuya blight that comes on on the outside of of the trees so if people see that it is advisable to treat it i would give one application maybe um at the end of october the first week of november when the trees dry up and then repeat it in february and march next year give them a feed next year as well just to put a bit of energy back, back into the plants as well it kind of weakens the plants and eventually they will succumb to it if they're left untreated okay so it's always it's, it's, it's advisable important, it's important to get to get onto yeah, that yeah because they're a really nice tree and you know as they get older they become nearly more valuable because the shape is fantastic with them you know so it's well worth looking after them now I planted some snowdrop bulbs a few weeks ago and okay. they're all budded does yeah. that mean I'll have none showing for the spring <laughs> it does unfortunately oh my goodness <laughs> so well you see bulbs all bulbs produce their flower buds the flower buds the embryo bulb uh, bud right in the centre of the bulb so they tend to have whatever flowers they make they're not like roses that keep repeat flowering during mm. the summer or fuchsias that continually flower a new growth whatever flower buds it produces that's it so snowdrops are reacting to the very very mild 
weather we're having. And it they're thinks coming, it's spring. It thinks it's springtime. And it, when you think about it, the day length is no different than April. They are, or even March. Uh, the temperatures are exactly the same. We're getting the same rainfall that we normally get in the, you know, so our autumns are very similar to our springs. So plants, and you'd often see this were rhododendrons and camellias and azaleas, they'll often come into flower at this time of year because they think it's springtime. So because we haven't had any cold, frosty weather, the bulbs, the snowdrops are beginning to emerge and you'll find daffodils are beginning to come through the soil as well. So it's going to be an early spring, spring. dare I say it. Okay, and if we do get a real hard frost in Auzai in a couple of weeks' time, how's that going to affect those particular budded uh, snowdrops? It depends at at what stages the the, the flowers are at. But remember that snowdrops can tolerate very cold conditions. When they're normally flowering in February, we are getting the frosty weather. They're frozen at night time and come into flower so they can withstand quite cold temperatures uh, but having said that if we get a really mild, peri- mild period and then a heavy frost it'll certainly damage stain the flowers it won't kill the plants by any mean but the flowers will start to get discoloured and go off quicker so there's nothing you can do to, uh, to slow down the process right. so that's just they're, nature they're off at yeah, this that's stage. our uh, global uh, can, warming can we, can, we, can we plant a few more bulbs at this stage you can you can still plant snowdrops at this time of year and generally bulbs in general uh, blue the bluebells, the uh, scented hyacinths, crocuses, they all are planted during the month of October and November. So daffodils, narcissi, you can even plant them up in a couple of pots if you wish and then replant them in January and February where you want them to flower. So you can certainly, and any of the bulbs you're buying now are obviously dormant so they're, they're going to be, you know, it's going to be springtime before they bloom. Now, that garden is obviously very, I would imagine, very sheltered, sheltered. as well. And you've probably got a, a little bit of a microclimate there. Okay. That, you know, and, and obviously, and obviously an organised gardener and everything yeah. in on time. Yeah. Um, so the trick with snowdrops as well, when you when 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 you want to propagate them and divide them, the time to do that is after flowering. So as soon as these flower, finish flowering, you can actually physically dig them up, split them up into pieces and transplant them into other parts of the garden as well. It's a great way to propagate them. Now, Margaret has a skimmia plant park and the leaves are turning pale and brown and it's in a pot. Well, it ain't happy in the pot. That's for sure. So skimmia is uh, skimmia rubella. There's a whole range of different varieties. Skimmia rubella is the most common form. It's a, it's a male form of the plant. It produces lovely red flower buds at this time of year that open into a very uh, white or creamy colour flower in April with a fantastic scent. But it looks beautiful for the winter period. Um, it can be grown in pots, but into, over time it starts to fill up the pot completely. And um, the symptoms of it, you know, kind of running out of space or yellowing of the foliage, browning of the foliage and the plant just being unhealthy. I would advise Margaret to replant that plant out into the garden. Now they like uh, acid soil. Right. Like a, so get yourself a small bag of ericaceous compost, some ericaceous feed, dig that in to the soil and replant it out into the garden. Or alternatively move it into a larger pot. So get a bigger tub, get, get your... Um, lime-free compost and fertiliser and again repot it and it'll come back it'll kick into growth now it won't it's not going to um, reverse that straight away it's going to be next spring before it's yet it'll probably take a year to bring that plant back um, into good condition Um, so again if Margaret wants to pop in bring me in a picture of it I'll just have a look just to make sure it's not gone too far if it's gone very brown and it might be just as well to replace it. But if it's only starting to turn, you can certainly bring that plant back. It's not happy in the pot. It's not it's in. That's what the plant is telling you. Time time for out. Time to move it. Uh, now, can I plant blackthorn or whitethorn now? Do they need shelter? How tall do they grow? Okay, well... And Mary the, is in Sligo. I don't it, know if that makes any difference Sligo. or not. Well, they're both very, very hardy plants. Um, 
Blackthorn are in the prunus family. They're related to cherries. Mm-hmm. Um, prunus spinosa is the blackthorn. Um, and whitethorn is actually in the rosacea family related to roses and, and um, apple trees and all of those. Both are extremely hardy. They're both deciduous, so remember that, that they drop their leaves. You can grow them as a hedge four feet high, five feet high, six feet high. You can grow them as trees, 10, 15, 20 feet high. So depending on how you prune the blackthorn and whitethorn, that determines what height it will grow. But it's often grown, and I love it actually as a garden hedge. And now it is thorny, so it's great for keeping stock out. That's why farmers love it, love to plant it. And we're coming into the time of year. It's a little early yet, but about the middle of November, that's the time to start planting blackthorn and whitethorn in your garden. They're cheapest chips to buy, so they're very cheap to buy. Buy them bare-rooted. Double plant them if you can, which means putting in a staggered row of at least two. To you know, So for every two, you put one forward. So you're ending up, ending up with a double or treble row to make a really thick hedge. So you can grow them as a hedge. They grow perfectly happy in Sligo, in coastal areas or you know inland areas. Do remember that it is a thorny plant. So if there are children around, remember there are, it is quite a prickly plant. Um, and as I say, you can plant as a hedge or as a tree. You can mix the two together if you wish. You can yeah. have blackthorn and whitethorn planted together. And... Um, so I hope that answers the questions. Yeah, I, I think that, that, that that's yeah. the yes. Great they're, plan, they're, though, they're a real kind of all-rounder anyway. They and, are, and, and kind of pretty much do anything with it. can them. be lovely if you want to put in a wildflower hedge as well. You can use blackthorn, whitethorn with plants like viburnum or fuchsia um, or honeysuckle. There's lots of plants you can actually mix together to get this mixed wildflower hedge that will flower at different times of year that's brilliant for bees and wildlife in general and um, but it will also create a barrier and a, things like uh, flowering red red currant you know the little ribase that, mm-hmm. that flowers in April or flowering for Scythiae which is lovely yellow flowers or the rosa uh, the dog roses Rose, Rose uh, Canina, which flower and produce lovely red berries so all of those mixed together with white thorn can make a beautiful wildlife and kind of wild hedge um, so, so that could be nice as yeah, well. And, and ideal if, if one is out in the country a little yeah. bit. Now they're burying brilliantly at the moment, the Critagus, the Whitethorn in particular, and they can be sown from seed if you want to have a go at that. I was just admiring them yesterday all along the Turlock Road. There's literally thousands of berries on Whitethorn at the moment. So they can be collected and sown out of doors in the garden. Now it does take up to two years for them to germinate, but if you wanted to propagate or have a go or get the kids to have a go at sowing some berries of Crataegus, just crush them up, gather them, crush them in your hand and literally just put them into the soil, cover them over and leave them there. Some will sprout this coming spring, others will sprout in a year's time and um, you get yourself young, young little trees and young little plants that you can transplant elsewhere. Now, uh, listener needs advice on how to plan and plant a steep slope in my garden. It's a long rectangular slope, or rectangular slope, I beg your pardon. Too steep for mowing, so I want to plant with ground cover. Please help. Which is a great idea, and generally speaking, areas that are awkward in the garden, slopes, banks, around septic tanks, little corner areas that are difficult to mow, mm. they're the areas that we would always advocate you, you plant, plant with ground covering plants and just kind of take those areas out of the lawn completely. Um, so a slope and a bank is an ideal area. If there's grass and weeds at the moment, the steps are really to get eliminate that first and foremost, so spray off the area with some weed-free 360. Um, so that'll eliminate any broadly weeds or grasses. And then to plant the bank, but to plant it in groups of the same variety of plants. So we mentioned last week the winter heathers. They do brilliantly on a bank or a slope. They'll tolerate any garden soil. They look fantastic. They flower from now right through to the end of April and they just smother the ground in time. So they'd be certainly one option and I think I mentioned last week that you can mix them with other 
ornamental shrubs, mm-hmm. colourful shrubs like dwarf pittosporums or dwarf berbus or some conifers. So a whole heather bank in various different colours would look superb. And again, you can underplant them with spring bulbs. But having said that, there's lots of good ground covering plants. Again, what I'd recommend the listener to do is to take a photograph of the area, pop in, pop in today if you're around and I'll have a look at it for you or you can email it in, into the garden centre at any stage and um, we'll recommend some plants. I have some very good pictures actually uh, in store of heather, of banks that have been planted with heather beds. Okay, so people can kind mature. of get a visual idea of how it might look. How it will look in three to five years' time. Okay. So they're mature, they've been planted three or four years ago and you can see already how they're filling up the area and they're quite steep slopes, you know, 45 degree angle slopes that are impossible to mow but would be ideal for underplanting. Now, we're going to stay with, you mentioned heather is there, we're going to stay with heather for a second. So Jane has a, a, a lovely lime green heathers Great. which she's cut back and shaped out of flower and she's done that every year for the past six years. Now this year, unfortunately, didn't get to them. Now they've grown longer. She tried to tidy them last week, but they're brown and dead inside now. I'm wondering, what can she do? Well, Heather's, over time, they will get a, a, um, like conifers, like yeah. like trees, like conifer trees. As they get older, the, the, the base and the centre can be brown. Now the outer section covers that up so you don't actually see it until you actually go up to the plant and open it out and if you go out onto the moors or out onto the heather the wild heather again the centre of it is always or the lower part of it is always brown because the young growth naturally comes to the top so generally speaking you don't see that browning Uh, pruning after flowering is the correct way so Jane has been doing exactly the right thing so my advice really is to leave them alone this year allow them to flower which they will do right through until April and in April prune them back taking about six inches so they as a rule of thumb you remove the flowering uh the flower length just be, just below you cut just below the flower mm. length so you're removing about three to four inches of the stem every year with shears and if you do that they reshoot you keep them young and um you know the plant responds that to that very well and in nature the sheep do that they oh, go out and they mow the, the, the tops of the heather and it keeps the heather young and fresh and where where um, heather isn't mm. isn't harvested or isn't uh, mowed by the by the sheep or goats or whatever, it gets wild and, and gets very woody and, and tends to break and get damaged. So the sheep actually do do the plant a favour by now. Overgrazing is a different thing, but on a, you know, particularly after flowering, if heather is cut or, or grazed, it rejuvenates the plant. So my advice with Jane is to leave them alone now. Don't cut them at this time of year. You're cutting off the flowers if you trim them now. So leave them till the spring wait for them to finish flowering, trim them back, give them a feed and they'll throw up lots of young growth again. Excellent. You uh, should get years. I mean, Heather should... What is, yeah, what, is, well, is, is, there, it, is there a lifespan It all depends Heathers? how they're looked after yeah. and so on. But, but, in, but 20 in, years, 25 years from a Heather bed, you know, you might have to replace the odd one here and there. But generally speaking, you get quite a number of years from Heathers. Now, uh, Tom has a Ponsettia since last Christmas, still with all its leaves. Is that normal? And also a Coleus with what he thinks is mildew. What can he do? Okay, and we I think we treated, we talked, we about, talked a good the bit about poinsettia last yeah, year. I mean, it's yeah. great. The, the modern hybrid varieties are lasting for months and months and people get a great kick out of keeping them red right through the summer and autumn period. Now, they do tend to go very green uh, as we come into autumn and winter. It is difficult to get them back to red. So I, I need half an hour to explain right. to you how to get them back to red. So look it up on, on, on Google or whatever. You can get them back to red, but there's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a scientific it's process, a scienti- I guess. Yeah, there's a process of, of um, eliminating light and even artificial light and so on. So 
grow the plant as a green plant, I suppose my advice with the poinsettia, and enjoy the red leaves that are on it at the moment. With the coleus, that's a different thing. Coleus is a beautiful indoor plant. It's got coloured foliage. Joseph's coat is what comes to my mind. Oh. It's a beautiful plant, very easy to grow, propagates so simply from cuttings. Um, and it tends not to be a very long-lived plant. So if you get kind of two, three, four years, propagate it and dump the mother plant would be my advice. Over time, it's a bit like geraniums. You won't keep them forever. You need to uh, re-propagate them and start them off again. And coleus would be in the same family. Now, regular pruning helps to keep it young and it produces lovely purple flowers or pinky purple flowers, depending on the variety. So... The mildew, if there's mildew there, my advice is to cut back anything that has mildew on it. So mildew is like shaking flour or castor sugar onto the leaves. It's a white deposit on the leaves, very distinctive. So if that's present, that's going to damage the plant. So cut it below that point. The coleus will reshoot again. If you want, you could give it a light uh, spray of the fungus clear that I mentioned for the thuias. That'll help to arrest any mildew that might be there. And the plant will also, by the fact of pruning it back, it'll re-kick into growth again. Even over the winter period, some new growth will come on the plant. Keep it in a cool, um, bright location for the winter. So again, a cold, bright windowsill indoors would be ideal. And keep it semi-dry. Okay. And most house plants, you want to be cutting back on the watering, particularly with coleus, keep them semi-dry, nearly on the point that they're, they're you know, underwatered. Um, and next spring, it'll kick back into growth again and grow on. But I would advise... Tom, isn't it, to, to yeah. get some young plants, but they're, they're, again, you can sow them from seed or you can buy little plants of coleus in the springtime and start your collection off again. So they do need to be replaced every couple of years. The mildew may be a sign that the plant is, is, is under a bit of stress, uh, you know, or it's older and they succumb to diseases a little bit easier. So time for a repropagation. It could be, yeah, yeah, yeah. Avon has dwarf tomatoes, red and yellow sweet peppers and a jalapeno plant. Oh, fantastic. In the greenhouse. Lovely. Is there any way to winter them for next spring? Or what's well, the tomatoes, leaf? no. Yeah, just okay. to Just to keep taking the fruit off them. And, um, you know, as I said many, many times, if the fruit is green, you know, in, in late November, bring it inside and you ripen it by putting a banana close to it. With the peppers, they are perennial. So what, if you leave them in the tunnel, they will, they'll die away. But what, what the listener can do is cut them back. So take the fruit off them. They'll still continue to ripen for several weeks now. Uh, take the fruit off them and then prune them back. So prune them back like a rose bush. So if you prune them back and bring them indoors, you'll keep them for next year. And you'll actually have a stronger pepper and jalapeno plant for uh Next summer. next summer yeah and it'll actually come into flower earlier and you'll have more fruit from it so they can be kept for several years chilies peppers anything in the in the pepper or chili family you just prune them back literally and um, bring them indoors keep them semi-dry keep them on a bright windowsill in a cool area so a conservatory patio door whatever they'll still continue to grow over the winter mm. and um, then next spring the plant will kick back into growth again and you get yourself a second, at least a second year, maybe a third year. So they're well worth holding on to. Very interesting. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, because they are, they are. You know the um, the solanum, the um, Christmas cherry plant, mm -hmm. the cherry. You, you might know it. I'll bring one in next week. But it's a little. People, listeners will know it. It's an indoor plant that produces lovely cherry-like uh, fruits at this time of year. They're in the solanum family, as the peppers are. And they can last for years and years and years. People often have them as houseplants for maybe 10 or 15 years. So I'm not saying you'll have the peppers for that length, but certainly you'll get a number of years out of it. So it's well worth... So take the fruit off them, prune back the stems, and then uh, keep it indoors 
uh, over the winter period, repot it next spring, put it back in the tunnel in April, and you've got yourself peppers and chilies galore. Galore, And they'll yeah. actually be stronger earlier. You'll have a heavier crop next year. But tomatoes are a one-year yep. wonder. So don't try to keep them for next year. Okay. Now, we have a lot of black flies in my attic. Could I use the greenhouse smoke treatment in the house? You can. So the greenhouse, uh, it's called dead fast or um, fuming and pee. Yeah, yeah there's, two, there's two types. Um, so basically what they are, are they're little, it comes in a canister. You light the fuse at the top. It creates, it excretes a smoke. And in that smoke, it's, it, it has pyrethrum, which basically gets into the cracks and crevices and would kill off any, spy, yeah. sp- uh, any, uh, any flies or insects that might be there. So yes, they can. They can be used in attics indoors, but you, you know, ventilate the, the attic afterwards, afterwards just to let the, yeah. the smoke out. Um, so, but yeah, they can. The answer is yes, they can be used indoors in the home or they can be used in greenhouse and tolerance as well. Now, I've cut back my roses hard yesterday. Great. Can I put the winter wash on now and do I spray the soil or the stems, says Mary in Charlestown. And actually, there's another question on roses, Pork, about transplanting. Can we transplant the roses at this time of the year? The answer is you can. Now, remember, the soil is very wet at the moment, so leave it for a couple of weeks yet if you can. If you've got any plant in a pot, you can transplant it at any time of year. But autumn is a great time to do it because the roots of those roses will continue to grow right through the winter, b- building up a really strong plant for next spring. So what I would do with the with the roses in the pot, like the first listener, cut them back now quite hard, wait for a couple of dry days and then get them into the soil and put down a bit of compost with them and plant them about two feet apart and they'll come into growth brilliantly next mm. year. With the, the listener that has cut back the roses and roses, often flower well into October, November. This, but this year, because of the high level of rainfall we've had, they're really struggling. So if your roses have gone off and, and the, roses, the flowers are gone from them and the buds are gone, you're better off doing as the listener has done, pruning them back now, tidying them up, put on the winter wash. So yes, you can put the winter wash on once you've pruned the roses back. And the winter wash basically cleans the stems of the plant and you can put it on the ground around the plants as well because it kills off any... Uh, pest eggs or any green fly or white fly that may be overwintering. So it's a way of cleansing the plants once you've pruned them back. And it can be used on roses, fruit trees, you know, gooseberries, trees and shrubs in general, just to clean them and, and protect them for next year. So, no. so yes, you know, prune back the roses, put on the winter wash, don't do any feeding at this time of year. And for the, the listener that has them in the pots, prune them back and transplant them into the garden. Now I've planted some window boxes with cyclamen and winter pansies Lovely. but forgot to get to add bulbs. Can I okay. simply push in some tulips now or should I redo the boxes? What do you think? I'll push, I'd be pushing the main <laughs> if so it was me I. anyway. <laughs> so would I. I mean it's super simple. You just get, get some dwarf tulips or dwarf daffodils or whatever bulbs you like, crocuses if you wish um, and just push them in. Push them into the... Uh, into the window box so there's no problem in, in a typical window box you want to be putting in about 8 to 12 dwarf uh, tulips or dwarf daffodils very nice variety is one called Pinocchio I think we featured mm-hmm. it before it's got two tones it's only short about 6 inches in height big head of flower big or big flower head uh, which is two toned which is white and red or Red Riding Hood is a lovely variety which has got variegated foliage and a nice red flower but there's lots of really good dwarfer so go for the dwarf varieties um, if you were to put in some Narcissi my favourite one is one called Jetfire it's got an orange uh, centre only grows six inches in height but brilliant in pots and containers so I'm actually going to be uh, TV3 on Wednesday so Wednesday morning on TV3 mm-hmm. if you want to join me on Ireland AM I'm actually going to be planting up uh, window boxes and containers. I'm actually going to plant up a couple of pumpkins. 
I've never oh, tried it before. Okay, as 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 a window box, as, <laughs> as, as a, a container. container. Yeah. yeah so I was idea. thinking, what am I going to do? And yeah. it's Halloween next weekend. That's a lovely whatever. idea. Yeah. Actually. So I'm going to okay, uh, we'll be, experiment. Okay, now, we'll could, be anxious it, to see how that goes. It could be a complete I mess. Doubt it, I doubt it. But I'm planting up uh, hanging, or not hanging baskets, but window boxes and containers. The idea is to dress your home for Halloween. Um, so the, the front door of the home and so I'm going to use pumpkins and I'm going to be using window boxes and containers and I'm going to be using the cyclamen and some uh, autumn flowering heathers and some yellow or orange coloured plants um, so I'll, you'll see me using the bulbs and planting the plants and you might get some so ideas or inspiration Wednesday from that. Wednesday morning, is it? Wednesday morning at 9.35, okay. I think, is my okay. slot on Ireland okay. AM this, this Wednesday morning, yeah. Okay, great. Now, somebody um, says, thank you, found the zero worked brilliantly on my lawn and wonder could I spray my trees with it as I notice green moss on the base of my birch trees. Um, and somebody else also, just a query, they're in Sligo wondering about uh, the zero for the moss and uh, if that's available. It's available now and now is the time to put it on your lawn and lawns, I'm telling you, they're rotten with moss at the moment so people should treat their lawns. It can be done on a dry, on a wet day, mm. a day like today. Now, you know, try and get a dry spell during the period when you're putting on the spray but you don't have to wait for exceptionally dry weather um, so it can be put on any time over the next couple of weeks uh, but in relation to the listener with the birch trees, if you've got moss on trees and shrubs, the, the zero will kill it, it from there as well, will remove it from there. So you can safely apply it onto the stems of trees or shrubs or fruit trees or whatever to clean off moss and lichen as well from the plants. But do treat your lawns because it's going to be in we're going to be talking about it so much next March and April. Okay. We'll be fed you, up. You can see it coming, moss. really. <laughs> yeah, so treat it now because it's only starting and if you nip it in the bud now and maybe retreat again in, in January, you'll just stop the problem. You won't have to be raking it and all that messing that goes on in the springtime if you eliminate it now. So this is the critical time to get the, the zero the on. No, you know, and that can be November if you're not if you if you don't get around to it for the next two weeks, that's fine. But do it sometime between now and the middle of November if you can. Now, will ivy damage a Lalandii hedge? And ha- well, I suppose we've talked about how we get rid of ivy a little bit earlier. But in general, will will well, ivy- I'd keep it off the plant because it's not parasitic. It's not that it feeds on the plant, but it does add weight over time. Ivy will grow in shade, so it it'll well compete with the Lalandii to grow up along the stem, and it'll use the Lalandii for support. Um, and if it gets very strong or very established, then you know, potentially it could, uh, in windy weather, damage the, the um, Leylandia hedge. Yeah. So I would, I would just stop it from growing on the Leyland hedge, to be honest. Um, don't give it a chance to establish itself. It's, but having said that, it isn't parasitic in the way that it, it's going to strangle the Leylandia hedge or rob it of all its nutrients or whatever. It doesn't work in that way, but it can add weight and that's the point I was making with the broadleaf twi- trees. It adds weight and it catches the wind and in windy weather, boom, over goes the tree. Now, can I take cuttings from Portuguese laurel? You can, but they're difficult to root. Portuguese laurel is in the prunus family, the cherry family. It's very, very slow to root. Um, ideally, you'd want a heated propagator. Now, they are available to buy, which is simply a little seed tray that it's like a... Um, what am I looking for? It's like the... Um, like a, it's like an electric a blanket. blanket. That's electric exactly blanket. what I was looking for. That's exactly what it is. It's like an electric blanket. It, you plug it in, it creates bottom heat in the, in the bottom of the tray and with that you can root so many plants. So it's a great way for propagating plants. So if the listener is dead keen on propagating Portuguese laurel, then get yourself a small heater propagator, small cuttings and root them in the normal traditional way of dipping in the rooting powder, strip off the leaves, yeah, 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 and, and just put it in, cover it with polythene and they'll root over the winter period. 
Now, can I put nasturtium seeds in pots to grow for next year and how do I do it? The answer is you can, but they're not at this time of year. Remember that nasturtiums are, are frost tender, so if they get any sort of frost over the winter period, they just die away. I wouldn't sow the seed until February. So start the seed indoors in February. Um, bright windowsill, they're very, very simple to grow. They're quite a big seed, so great for getting children involved in sowing them. So they're as big as a pea when you're sowing them. Very simple to grow and uh, put them into a seed tray or pots, germinate them, cover them with a bit of cling film, germinate them in February with planting out around the middle of April. Or alternatively, you can sow the seed out of doors in March, mm -hmm. but it tends to be a lot slower. So if you sow them inside, they'll be in flower at least a month earlier. Okay. And there's some lovely varieties in nasturtiums, not just the vigorous varieties. There's some that are ideal for baskets and containers or for ground cover. I mean, and lovely mm -hmm. colours as well. And there is such an easy plant to grow and flower for so long. Well, yeah, they're, they're, and they're a great addition edible. as well. Edible, edible of course. Yeah, the yeah. flowers are edible, the leaves are edible. Caterpillars love them. So for people that are growing organic vegetable, I often recommend to grow a, a patch of nasturtiums and your caterpillars will disappear down to the nasturtium Vegems. patch. And they leave your veg <laughs> And leave your veg alone. So, it's a, so they're, 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 there's lots of benefits and they're a great plant for bees and for, for and they're pollinators. A lovely, and they're a lovely bit they're of colour. They're a great plant. Yeah. Great plant. Now, just wondering, when is the best time to cut back a butterfly plant as my mum's hasn't been cut back for a few years and it's gone really wild? Okay, so this is the, the butterfly bush or, or butterfly tree, nearly you could call it, which produces, it's the bodleia, which produces lovely big spikes of flower in summertime. The time to prune it is now and you can be quite severe with it. With it, So cut it back to within a foot, two feet of ground level. You might have to saw some of the branches because they'll be that thick, but that's fine. It's a great plant to regenerate itself and it needs pruning every year really to keep it young, to keep it really neat and tidy and you get bigger flowers from the plant. So any time from now on, go out there, cut the plant back. The other great thing with Budley is that it roots from cuttings so easy. So you can literally take the pieces that you've cut off the plant and stick them into the soil and they'll root. Right, they don't need anything else no, really. No, they don't. Right. They're that easy to root. So um, so now is the time to cut it back. You can be quite severe in pruning it back. The other tip I'd say is that when it comes into growth in the springtime in April, if you give it a second light trimming, so it'll make about a foot of growth at that stage, and just give it a very light trimming, take an inch or two off the mm. top, you'll encourage the plant to become fuller, fatter, and smaller in stature. So, so it'll, it's not going to grow up Exactly. High. It won't be as tall, it'll be lower. You'll get more stems from the plant, more flower from the, the plant as well. So prune it now, and in April, give it a very slight pruning as well, and try a few cuttings as well. Why not? Now, uh, do cuttings and seeds planted now need to be watered over the winter? That's a good question, I think. Lightly. 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 So yeah. keep them on a semi-dry basis. Not bone dry, not falling over, but do keep them on a semi-dry basis. So depending on where you have them, if they're in a tunnel and greenhouse, maybe once a month. That's about all you, you need okay. to wash them. And don't wash them too heavily. So ebb on the side of underwater, slightly underwatering. That, that that kind of solves the problems of diseases. If if seedlings are too wet, they're more prone to frost and cold weather. So keep them slightly dry. Uh, just uh, as, a, as an addendum to the discussion about the freezing of the herbs, yeah. uh, Koch recommends uh, labelling the assorted bags of frozen herbs. That's a, a great good, idea, good, good Koch. Koch yes. Absolutely. Because they'll all look, just look kind of green in They're the all freezer. going to be green. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my fuchsia leaves are wilting, dried and curling. I put rose clear on it, but it didn't work. 
Well, if, if look at it, at this time of year, fuchsias are beginning to die back. I mean, some of them are still in flower, but I wouldn't worry too much about them. Fuchsia is such a resilient plant. Um, leave it alone. You could actually, like the, the listener that had the rosebush, prune it back now and just tidy it up and put it to bed for winter. And uh, next spring, it'll re-emerge again perfectly fine. So I wouldn't be worrying about the fuchsia plant. Just... Let it, let it go into dormancy now and it'll re-kick into growth next spring again. It is a deciduous plant. They shed their leaves anyway in November. Should reforest flames gone out of flower, should I give them a trim before the winter? No. Because okay. if you cut them now, you're going to be cutting off any flowers that produce in the spring. The time to, pr- to prune forest flame is after flowering or once the, the little red colour yeah. starts to go off it. So that's next spring. OK, we're going to end with a question on a gooseberry bush. Ah. I have a large gooseberry bush and always got a crop of berries from it. But this year there wasn't any berries. Oh. I noticed there's moss on the branches, though. Would this have anything to do with it? How do I get rid of the moss without killing the gooseberry bush? All right. OK, well, moss will grow and lichen will grow on gooseberries and blackcurrants. Once it drops its leaves, which will be very soon now you can put a, 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 a light spray of the zero on it the one that we use on the lawn that'll get the moss off and clean it off moss also you'll find the pests will often where you've got plants that have a lot of moss on them you can get lots of colonies of pests as well because naturally enough they use it to protect themselves so they're better off nice and clean so put a bit of zero on it once it goes out of leaf you could do some pruning with the gooseberry as well particularly if it's got older it, it you know like you know the plants as they mm. do get older tend to lose the ability to produce fruit by pruning them we keep them young so a little bit of winter pruning could be done as well on the gooseberry bush and that'll help to uh, revive it next spring bit of feeding again in April and May a little bit of the Pro 6 or a good rose fertiliser is very good on gooseberries as well okay. so it should kick back into fruiting again they're generally very reliable OK we have to leave it there Pork thank so you n- until next week again and very remember much. I'm in the garden centre today in Turlock and Castlebar from 12 through to 5 and um, you'll find me just outside the restaurant it's my favourite spot so I'm down there in the information area okay. and look at bring in if you've got any questions bring them in to me and We'll take a look at that. Okay, and we'll have more for you. Final programme of the series uh, next week, uh, just after the news at nine. That is my lot for this morning. Michael Neary on the way next with uh, Country Classics and, of course, news update also with Angelina Nugent. Until next Saturday, from me, Deirdre Kelly, good morning to you.